If you have your Bible still open to Isaiah 55, I want you just to mark it because we'll kind of be jumping back and forth to Isaiah 55 as our key chapter tonight. Praise the Lord. Uh, Pastor Jonathan and Tia, between camps, as you know, we have three camps going on, plus a pastor is ministering in camp meetings on the uh, First Nations reserves and stuff, and so it's a packed summer. But uh, he was raised like that. We always, it's funny, it seemed that we always had our five days off to go to the mountains and put up a tent on this week that the fair was in town. And so my children didn't ever go to the fair until they were, you know, really older teens. And uh, so that's where they are. They're uh, taking their five days and just enjoying each other between all this camps and things. So praise the Lord. I know they're having a good time, but we're going to have a good time tonight too. Praise God. Isaiah 55, we've already read 1 through 3. And I want to remind you there that he talks about that we have a covenant with him. You know, he says, I will make an everlasting covenant with you. That word covenant, I mean, we could preach on that for six weeks. But as you understand, we are covenant-keeping people. I, I decided, my husband and I decided, we were going to raise our children as covenant keepers because God's a covenant keeper with us, isn't he? But I mean, I was raised, you know, just, I was raised in a Christian home, but we didn't know about covenant. So we, we broke covenant, at, you know, like, like kids and teenagers do, just particularly with relationships, you know, go steady, break up. I never saw that as anything. That's just what you do. But then when I learned about covenant, that's not what you do. And so we taught our children that, and now we're teaching our grandson that. And so praise the Lord, you have to understand when God makes a covenant, he's not ever going to break it. And even if you try to break it, you're still in covenant. You understand that? You can run, but you can't hide, you know. You're always in covenant. But it's better if you do it his way, praise the Lord. So let's see that. Uh, I want to show you where verse 6 says. Let's go to verse 6. It says, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Seek the Lord while he may be found and call upon him while he is near. Let me read you what Jesus said in Luke 11. And I, I'm going to read this in Amplified, Paul. Luke 11, verse 9 and 10, talking about seeking. He says, so I say to you, ask and keep on asking. Now, in, in your Bible, it might say ask and, you shall, and it shall be given to you. But that word, that Greek word, is, means continually. Ask and keep on asking and it shall be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking. And you shall find, knock and keep on knocking, and the door shall be open to you. How many know that sometimes you go to somebody's house and you ring the doorbell and you know they're there, but they don't come to the door? That might be they don't want to see you, but let's just hope they've got something they don't hear you. Amen? But you, you keep on knocking, right? Because you want them to come to the door. Well, what Jesus is telling us is that he says, For everyone who asks and keeps on asking receives. 
And he who seeks and keeps on seeking finds. And he who knocks and keeps on knocking, the door shall be open. So it's a matter of being consistent. Just be consistent with the things of God. You know, it's not, it's not unbelief. Sometimes we get to thinking, well, if I ask him again, it's unbelief. Well, there is a fine line in that. Uh, and we don't have time to go into the whole study of that. But you know what? When I ask the Lord for something, when I ask again, doesn't mean I don't believe I received it, but it's better to ask and then thank him for it. So you're, that's, that's continually asking, but it's in a thankful, in other words, as it's already done. Amen? That's how it is with seeking. There's, have you ever had a scripture that you just don't understand? Anybody ever had a scripture that you go, I don't get that? You know, when I was first saved, I just bugged those people so much because I bet they just thought, why did she come to our church? <laughs> I had so many questions. I'd, I'd read my Bible through the week, and then I'd go, and, I, man, it's like, okay, I guess, I guess I'm not saved because it says, you know, you, you, this or this or this, and they'd go, no, Brownie, and they'd try to talk to me. But it took a long time. I had lots of questions. And I still have questions. And to even today, there's sometimes that I read a scripture and I go, okay, Jesus, I need you to explain that to me because I know the character of God. If you know the character of God, then some scriptures don't seem like they line up with that. But let me tell you, they do. You just have to have the Holy Spirit. The Bible says he's our teacher. So he, you let him come and teach. Knock and keep on knocking. That's... You know that, that lady <laughs> that uh, she had a sick daughter in the New Testament and she wanted Jesus to come and heal her daughter. And he said, this is the children's bread. Because at that time, he had only come to the, to the house of Israel and she was a Gentile. So she didn't have a covenant with God. But you know what? That woman, was a, she was a typical mama. How many mamas, you know, it's like, I'm not, uh, no, no. No, my child needs to be healed, so I'm going to keep on. She was persistent, wasn't she? And what did, she said this, I love what she said, even the dogs get the crumbs. In other words, she doesn't care if she has to lower herself or, you know, get into that situation. It's like, Hey, I understand the crumbs. I understand the, that this is the children's bread. I understand that. But listen, there's crumbs that fall. The dogs eat the crumbs. Just give me the crumbs. And God, I mean, Jesus remarked about her great faith. He hadn't seen such faith in all of Israel. Amen? Why? Because she just kept on. She just kept on. Listen, you have to have, as one of my friends says, you have to have bulldog faith. You, anybody know what a bulldog, like a bulldog, when it gets a hold of something, he just doesn't want to let you. I mean, you have it like with one of those rope things. You can twirl that thing around. That dog will just go with you. He's not letting go, right? <laughs> I just had a shih tzu, and he, he, he was pretty fierce. No, he wasn't. <laughs> He was a sissy dog, I have to admit, that my husband was embarrassed about. But even my sissy dog would hold on. 
We have to have faith like that, right? We have to hold on until we get what we're believing God for. Amen? Because the enemy will try to come and take it away from you. He'll try to tell you, who do you think you are? Or he'll try to remind you of what, how you messed up. Anybody had that before? Sure we have. I mean, sometimes he has to dig a little, but sometimes he can tell you, you had a fight on the way to church with your wife. Like, who do you think you are? We've had people that have literally turned around and gone back home because <laughs> they had a fight in the, in the car on the way to church. Now, if that's you, don't be embarrassed because it's common. Well, not that common, but it happens. But I remember one woman told me that they did that, and I went, do you think Pastor and I never have a fight before service? <laughs> what if we turned around and went home? <laughs> no, we we have to repent before we get up and to this to this platform. But the enemy tries to do that, doesn't he? Let's keep on reading. Hallelujah. Let's go back to verse seven. Let the wicked forsake his way and the unrighteous man his thoughts. And let him return to the Lord, and he will have compassion on him. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. I love that phrase. He will abundantly pardon. It'd be good enough if God would just pardon, but he abundantly pardons. I really don't know what that really means. I just know that there's nothing that God can't pardon. There's nothing that's too bad. You can't do anything so bad that God won't love you. Isn't that wonderful? You can't make God not love you. Uh, the enemy will tell you now God doesn't love you. My mama raised me sometimes. She'd say, if you do that, God's not going to love you or God's going to be mad at you. So you know what? I had an image of God. I thought God was this old man. I don't know why. I thought he had a long white beard and a stick. But I was raised in the South and... Some of us got punished with sticks. And so I thought that's what God was like. But that's not what God is like. Amen? God just loves us unconditionally. Yes, he wants us to do good. He wants us to be right and to live righteously. But he sent Jesus to make us righteous. Amen? Praise the Lord. So it says, let me read that in the New Living Translation. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. I like that. Let the wicked change their ways and banish the very thought of doing wrong. Let them turn to the Lord that he may have mercy on them. Yes, turn to our God for he will forgive generously. Amen. Y'all are so quiet. You got to help me here. Give a smile or something. You know, because this is good news. This is great news that God wants to, the wicked to turn. We've all had to turn. That's really what repent means. Repent really means to turn and go the other direction. Amen? Repent doesn't mean just saying, I'm sorry. Some people think that's repentance. That's not repentance. Just being sorry is not repentance. Repentance means to literally turn and go the other way. Amen? So when we repent, we are turning. We're turning towards God. So it says, let them turn to the Lord. Turn to the Lord, and he'll have mercy on them. 
Thank God for God's mercy. Aren't you thankful that he has mercy? Oh, man, I'm thankful. Then let's go to verse 8. God says, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways my ways, declares the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Now, how many have heard that verse before and people have a sad look on their face, right? I don't get any response. Okay, I'm going to tell the pastor on you guys. I really am. <laughs> oh, maybe I didn't say it right. I'll help you. When someone says, well, you know God's ways are higher than our ways. You never know what God's going to do. You, you know, his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And it always is in a negative way, isn't it? You know what I'm talking about? Well, here's the good news. It's supposed to be positive. It's supposed to be good news. When someone says that, you ought to say, glory to God. That'll get them. Hallelujah. I'm so glad his ways are higher than my ways because... I need something higher than my way. I try to go my way. I really need something higher than my way. You know, we're right there in Isaiah 55, but in Isaiah 53, God says, when he's talking about Jesus on the cross, he talks about he died for us who wanted to go our own way. He said, all we like sheep have gone astray, each one going his own way. But Christ, he brought us back. Because it's human nature to want to do your own thing. It's human nature to be selfish. You know, like I, I've told you before, I never babysat. I never was around children. Uh, I, you know, I had, to, I had to take the role of a mother uh, and do everything because my daddy was sick. and So I had to take care of my daddy. And my mama had to work in a warehouse for minimum wage and... So I was the one that had to do the cleaning and the cooking and all that. My only had a younger brother was just two years younger, so I really didn't have to take care of him. But I had to take care of the house and my dad. And so I just never wanted children. It was like, I, I don't want to be a wife. I don't want to be a mother. I've already done that. I don't want to do that. I, I want to make a lot of money. <laughs> that was in the women's livers days. But... You know, I got saved, and those things changed. But still, I'd never been around babies. And so I, we had Jonathan, and thank God for praying in the Holy Spirit. I was able to pray and find out what to do with this baby because I didn't know. I'd just sit there rocking and praying in tongues, just rocking and saying, Jesus, just tell me what to do with this baby. But one day, <laughs> I said to David, you know how babies it just seems they want to eat all the time? You know, they're just, it's just, they, they want your whole attention all the time, day and night. And when you have been single for a long time and then you marry and you still, both have been single, we married later in life. And, you know, when you've done that, you're not used to someone depending on you. In fact, when I married David, I was so used to working all the time that, our first month of marriage, he was so sweet, he didn't want to, you know, we're just married. Finally, he said, Brownie, are we fasting today or are we going to eat? <laughs> oh, right. 
Some people eat three meals a day. Okay. <laughs> it's okay if you want to fast, that's good, that's good. I can fix myself something, but just want to know. But when I had this baby, I remember saying to David, I think if they had, now, <laughs> this was 34 years ago, so they might even have these things nowadays, but if you could put something on this baby's head to see what his thoughts are, I know what they are. And David said, what are they? Me, 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 me. Because babies are born to need you, right? That's why we have to grow up in the things of God. We can't always be needy. God wants us to grow up. But he says here that, <coughs> that uh, we have always wanted our own way. Well, that's a little child wants their own way. You have to teach a child to share. Do you remember teaching your children how to share? Oh, man, it was a great victory in our house when, when uh, Moses finally wanted to share. He's an only child. And uh, he, he was coming to church, and he, he wasn't learning to share down in nursery. He was not being very sharing. So it was a great victory when he was at my house, and he offered one of his toys to me. I mean, we had a little victory dance, you know. He's learning to share. But it doesn't come natural. We have to learn that, don't we? We have to be taught that. But when you get Jesus in your heart, that's when you want to give. Did you notice once you got born again, you just wanted to give and give? You wanted to help people? Because why? The nature of God comes in us, right? God's nature is to give. So it's really hard for you to be a stingy Christian. Did you know that? None of you are, I'm sure, but I know of some that are. But it's hard to be that because that's not the nature of God. So he says that my ways are higher than your ways and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. I'm going to read you what God says in, uh, what, what Paul said in 1 Corinthians about this. God is not saying that we can't know his thoughts, by the way. See, that's what some people think. They say that, don't they? You, you, don't, you can't know the thoughts of God. But we're going to read what God says. Let's read what God says instead of what religion says, okay? Let's read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 9. But just as it is written, things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, which has not entered in the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love him. He's quoting from the Old Testament, by the way. For to us, God revealed them through the Spirit. In other words... Because we have come into the New Testament and we have the Holy Spirit, which they didn't have in the Old Testament, except the Holy Spirit would come upon them at certain times, but they didn't have the Holy Spirit living in them. But in the New Testament, we had the Holy Spirit come in us. Amen? You know, David, the, uh, King David said in the Psalms, he says, Let not your Holy Spirit leave me. Well, because... It the Holy Spirit would come on them, but because it, it couldn't come in them because they hadn't been regenerated because Jesus hadn't died. That's a whole other session too, but here's what he's saying here is in the Old Covenant, he says that they hadn't seen, but he says here, for to us God revealed them through the Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God, for who among men knows the thoughts of man except the spirit of the man which is in him? 
Even so, the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. Now, we, if, we, if you just stop there, we would say no one knows the thoughts of God. That's, but let's read on. Now, we have received not the Spirit of the world, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God, which things we also speak not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words. Really, that should say combining spirituals with spirituals. What does that mean? That means that you can't know the thoughts of God just by human wisdom. You can't be smart enough. Understand? You can't be educated enough. It has to come from the Spirit of God. And we have the Holy Spirit. Amen? When you get born again, you receive the Holy Spirit of regeneration, the Bible says. But we also know that he also gives us what we call the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So that we have more of the Holy Spirit. Why? Because we need to know the things of God. Amen? You know, God's not trying to keep something from us. He's trying to get something to us. Many times in the religious world, people think God's trying to keep something from them. God's got secrets. Well, he does have secrets from those who don't know him. But for those that know him, how could he be our head and we're his body, but we don't know what he's doing? You ever seen a head that doesn't, a body that doesn't know what the head's doing? You know, I don't have a clue what my head's doing. Well, that, that just doesn't work out well. <laughs> really, that would be some kind of disease, wouldn't it? When your body doesn't, there are diseases like that when the body doesn't obey what the head says. But that's called a disease, dis-ease. That's not of God. So let's read on. But a natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him. And he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. You ever try to explain some of what you believe to a, a natural person? Do they think you're foolish? Do they think you're crazy? <laughs> yes. Yes. Well, praise the Lord. We can, we can be foolish for Jesus, can't we? The funny thing about it, they might say all those things. They might say that, you know, you're just crazy, da, da, da. But you let them get a bad report from the doctor, who are they going to call? Not going to be Ghostbusters. Who are you going to call? They're going to call you and ask you to pray. So don't ever be offended because, listen, sometimes you've got to remember how you were. It helps me to remember how I was before I was born again. Doesn't it help you sometimes to remember and to have some grace for other people? That, hey, listen, when I got around people like you and me now, I was, as we would say in the South, I was scared spitless. I mean, nothing made sense. You think I didn't have some questions? I was asking all kinds of questions. But the Lord, once I got born again, he, he started teaching me, and I started understanding. And when I got in the Word of God, it gave understanding. It says, <clears throat> But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have, what's it say? We have, help me, 
What do we have? Say, I have the mind of Christ. If we have the mind of Christ, shouldn't that say that we have the thoughts of Christ? Amen? So, as he is, the Bible says, as he is, so are we in this world. Right? So, his thoughts become my thoughts. That's why the Bible says, take every thought captive that comes against, well, I'm not quoting it, but I'm, I'm paraphrasing it. Every thought that is against the word of God or is contrary to that, it says you take that captive. Have you ever had a thought? You know, maybe you had a headache and you get this thought, I have a brain tumor. If you, am I the only one that might have had that thought sometime? Thank you. Thank you for someone having that thought. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. No. I'm glad the rest of you did. That, that shows you're doing better than me at the time. But I remember having this thought one time. I, I mean, this headache would just not go away. And it was, I was holding my, and this was years ago, but I was holding my hands like, God, this hurts. All of a sudden, I had this thought, you have a brain tumor. But thank God I knew the word of God, and I went, I do not have a brain tumor. I have a headache. There's a difference. Because I, I knew that thought was not from God. So God takes us and teaches us his thoughts. And here's the problem, is when our thoughts get higher priority than God's thoughts. I tell you tonight, there's people that had thoughts that said, I should, I, I should go to church. And then they said, but I want to go to the fair. Now, I'm not, I'm, I shouldn't have said that because I, I'm not condemning them. That's fine. They're not going to go to hell. You know, it's fine. But they had to make a choice, right? You have to make choices. How many times have we, you know, there's been times in everyone's life, especially in the winter when it's really cold and a fresh snow is coming, you've got to, You've got to shovel the driveway. You've got to take the snow off the car. And you've got to be here early for church. And it's like, I just, I just want to call in and say I'm not going to come. But you make a God thought, right? You have a thought. Okay, that's not, that's not God's thought. That's my thought. So you have, to, you have to know the word of God so that you can judge your thoughts, Right? If you don't know God's nature, if you don't know the word, you will judge improperly. That's why it says that you're appraised by no man. But you do, you can appraise your thoughts. You appraise your own thoughts. You judge your own thoughts. Amen? One preacher said, <laughs> you can't keep a bird from flying over your head, but you can keep him from building a nest. Right? So a lot of times people think, oh, that, that thought, why did I have such a stupid thought? Listen. The devil can put thoughts in your head. Now, he can't tell the future. He can't, I mean, he's not omnipresent. He's not God. God knows all things. The devil doesn't know all things. But you know what? How he knows things? He hears what we say. That gives him a clue what we're thinking, right? So he can put a thought in your mind. Don't take a thought and think, why did I think that? That's horrible. No. You say, that's not my thought. It's just as simple as that. You ever have a thought and you, that's not a God thought, that's not my thought. I'm not receiving that. Because, you know, I think it's in James that explains how we end up in sin. It says we have a thought 
and we think on it, we, we let that thought, you know, we think about that. In other words, we keep that thought. We don't take it captive. We think about it. And then it drops in our heart. And what happens after that? Then we do it. So that's how people get in trouble. That's how, you, that's how sin is done. Sin, you just don't one day sin. No, it comes as a thought. And you keep on thinking it. And then it drops in your heart. And then you do it. Thank God for the blood of Jesus. Amen. Cleanses us from those things. So it says, <clears throat> Isaiah 55, 10 and 12. It says, For as a rain and the snow come down from heaven, and they do not return there without watering the earth and bearing, making it bear and sprout, and furnishing seed to the soil and bread to the eater, so will my word be which comes forth from my mouth. It will not return to me empty without accomplishing what I desire and without succeeding in the matter for which I sent it. This is one of the most important scriptures, that last, last part there about God's word. That's one of the most important scriptures you can learn. God's word will not return unto him void, but it will accomplish that which it's sent to do. Here's the thing is, if you don't speak the word, there's nothing sent. Do you know that you have angels that God says, they're all ministering spirits sent to ministering to those that are heirs of salvation. So God has assigned angels to each one of us and they're there and they stand like this and they wait for you to use the word because they can't, they can't do anything without the word of God. So you have to speak the word so that they have something to use to go. But when we speak God's word, here's a wonderful thing. It will not return unto him void. That means it will not return unto him without having done what it was supposed to do without accomplishing that which it's sent to do. And sometimes you think, oh, well, it doesn't look like that. But listen, do you remember? You remember the, the uh, 21 days that... Uh, ja huh? Daniel. Daniel. How did I say Jacob? Daniel prayed 21 days. Listen, some people can't pray 21 minutes. But he prayed 21 days... Now, I've had those times when I prayed, and I think, I don't know, I don't know. You know, doubt starts to come in, and you gotta, you got to encourage yourself in the Lord. you got to encourage, no, God's going to do it. No, God's going to do it. 21 days, and then the angel came and said, you know, I've been fighting the, the, the prince of Persia for 21 days. I, in other words, I came when you first prayed, but I've been fighting the forces of the evil one for 21 days to get it to you. You don't know what's going on in the spirit. Listen, right now, there are spiritual forces that are trying to come and destroy your health, take your money. But listen, the greater one is in us. First John 4 says, greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. The greater one is in us. The greater one, and even that, some people say, well, you know, there's a lot of demons. Well, okay, <clears throat> this doesn't take a whole lot of smarts. You're all adults. Okay, if a third of the angels fell, that would be the demons that fell, right? How many does that leave with us, math students? <laughs> Thank you, Miss Forsythe. Two-thirds are on our side. Even... Th 
You know, why do people think that the enemy has so much power? He's defeated. In fact, the Bible says that when Jesus died on the cross, he went, to, he went down and he led captivity captive. He spoiled principalities and powers and made a show of them openly, the Bible says. He just, he just messed up their plans. They thought when he died on the cross, they were going to have a big party. We got him, we got him. And then, oh no, hell started shaking. Because he is the victor. I love that song we sing, He Wears the Victor's Crown. Amen? He wears the victor's crown. So this is what this is saying, that God's word will not return unto him void, but it'll accomplish that which it's sent to do. But you've got to send it for it to do anything. You cannot keep your mouth quiet. You have to have the word in your heart. The Bible says out of your heart, your mouth will speak. So you put the word in your heart. How do you do that? You read it, you confess it, you meditate on it. It gets in your heart. So that in the time of crisis, you can speak. You know, you, you know how, how I've had to fight for my life several times. But thank God I had the word in me. The word in me when I, when I had that car accident and I was paralyzed. And I'm in that, that ditch overturned in the car. And I can't move. What word came to me? I am the God that healeth thee. And I just kept singing it and singing it and singing it and singing it because I'd put it in my heart. And when tragedy came, I spoke it out my mouth. And when they got me to the hospital and they, you know, they had the bad news, I still spoke it out. I'll live and not die. I'll walk and leap and praise the Lord. You've all had experiences like that, haven't you? You've had times when you've had to, that, you know, you've been on an icy road and you start to lose control. You know, in the, before Jesus, <laughs> B.C., you know, before Christ, you might have you said a curse word. But now you say that name of Jesus. That's all you got to say. You don't have to say Psalm, the whole Psalms 91. Remember that story about the lady that, <laughs> that uh, in Texas, our friend in Texas, pastor friend had been preaching on Psalm 91 and that he covers us with his feathers. She was walking the streets in Fort Worth and this guy came to attack her in the dark that night. She couldn't remember. She, I mean, they'd been preaching on it. She couldn't remember. So all she said was, feathers, feathers, feathers. <laughs> the guy ran away. He thought she was crazy. <laughs> Isn't it amazing how God will work with us? Sometimes we think, boy, man, I, why didn't I remember? Listen, what was in her heart? She, she had in her heart that God covers us. In other words, he protects us like a hen protects his chicks. That was in her heart. But I mean, she didn't have time to think of Psalm 91, the whole thing. And we've all been in situations where we don't have time to think of it, but when it's in our heart, it'll come out. Whatever you have in your heart. It could be the Word. It could be a television show. It's going to come out. It'll come out. So put the Word in, amen, and know that it will not return into you void. Matthew 24, 35, you don't have to turn there, but Jesus said, Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my words will not pass away. 
The word of God cannot die. It's always alive. It's alive and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, the Bible says. It's alive. I remember when David, the night that David went to heaven, I sat on my bed at home and I said, Jesus, what am I going to do without David's prayers? Because we lived as one and we prayed together and I, you know, I depended on his prayers as well as my own. But I said, what am I going to do without David's prayers? I'll never forget a great revelation he gave me that night. He said, David's prayers never leave the earth because he prayed the word of God. And the word of God is spirit and life. It doesn't die. David didn't die either. He just moved to another place. But his word stayed here. Amen? So that has helped me so much to know how to pray for it, my family. And when my mother went to heaven, who, who had prayed for me every day of her life, every day of my life, um, at 4.30 in the morning, usually that was when she would take our pictures and pray over us. When she left, you know what? I didn't say, oh, what am I going to do without mama's prayers? Because I knew by then. I knew then. Oh, mama's prayers are still here. But it also, it encourages me to pray. Because my prayers will remain too if I pray the word. Your prayers won't remain if you just are praying silly stuff. But if you pray the word of God, your prayers will remain because they're spirit and they are life. And they will keep on doing just keep on. Do you know what? When they looked at my ancestry, when my brother was studying our ancestry, I knew that in my family, my, my, you know, my three, my two brothers, myself, my mom and dad, I knew that my daddy was the first one in his family to get saved. And uh, they'd never gone to church. They cursed God. There was, you know, that was what it was. I mean, some of them did, not all of them. But anyway, they'd never been in church except for like funerals and stuff. But my daddy got saved. So I remember wondering, you know, how, how far, like, was there any Christians? Because on my mama's side, there was lots. And we found them later. But, you know, you don't know who prayed for you to get into the kingdom. It could have been somebody way back. Jonathan and Tia studied ancestry, and they found a, a church in, uh, I don't remember where it is, New Jersey, I think, that, and, you know, in, in the colonial days, you had to pay for your seats. <laughs> That's why the free Methodists came, because they let you sit for free. But you paid for your seats. So you can go, I'm, I've been in, you know, churches in Jamestown and stuff where it'll say, you know, here, this is where George Washington sat, this is where... You know, Benjamin Franklin said, and you know, those kind of things. So you can see that. But they found that their ancestors here, David and, I mean, Jonathan and Tia, who didn't meet until, you know, just a few years ago. She lived in Spokane, Washington. He lived here. But their ancestors sat just like, just like Tony and Blaine are sitting. They sat just like that across from each other in a church in colonial days. Their ancestors great-great-grandmothers and grandfathers or whatever. Isn't that amazing? And they keep finding these ancestors that would worship together. Now, only God. You know, those people were praying for their seed. You know, that my seed. We have godly seed. You pray for your children, you pray for your children's children, right? And then you just pray for those afterwards. And those prayers don't leave the earth. 
And they keep working and someone says, I don't know who, I mean, I've met people say, I don't know who prayed me into the kingdom. Well, you might not know till you get to heaven. But I guarantee somebody prayed for you. Amen? Praise the Lord. Well, let's wrap it up here. It says, for you will go out with joy. This is verse 12. And be led forth with peace. When you have God's thoughts, you make them your thoughts, then you're going to have joy and you're going to have peace. Because it's so much better to not have to be in control all the time, to let Jesus be in control and say, what do you want to do today, Jesus? Instead of saying, what do I want to do today, Jesus? No, we say, what are we doing today, Jesus? Says there's great joy. You will, be the, you will go out with joy and be led forth with peace. The mountains and the hills will break forth into shouts of joy before you, and all the trees of the field will clap their hands. There's great joy when you quit trying to do things your own way. It really is. How do I know? <laughs> I know. <laughs> and you quit trying to think up things on your own, but instead you follow the leading of the Spirit of the Lord. It's wonderful. Hallelujah. John 16, verse 13 says, But when he, the Spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you. He will guide you into all the truth. For he will not speak of his own initiative, but whatever he hears, he will speak. See, even the Holy Spirit only speaks what he hears. Jesus said, I only say what the Father says. Well, if Jesus and the Holy Spirit have to hear from the Father, how much more do we need to hear? Amen? They don't speak of themselves. They speak of the Father. He will glorify me, for he will take a mine and will disclose it to you. All things that the Father has are mine. Therefore, I said that he takes a mine and will disclose it to you. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit will lead and guide you into all the truth. You do not have to live going, I don't know if I'm in the will of God or not. I don't know. I don't know if I'm hearing God. I don't know. You don't have to live like that. You don't have to live like that because you can know. Sometimes, you know, there's been times in my life I think, is this a brownie thought or is this a God thought? And you have to spend time with the Lord sometimes to find out. Don't you? Because I don't want to go my way. I want to go his way. Because he has the best way. He has only good for us. And I don't have such a good way. You know, some people say, well, you know, I just, I, I just want to do my own thing. You know, Pastor Jonathan was talking about this the other day. You know, I just want to be me. I want to do what I want to do. I'm so glad, you know, teenagers say, when I get 18, I'm going to do what I want to do. Well, you ask them about when they're about 25 and say, how'd that work for you? Yeah, it didn't work so good, did it? No, God doesn't want us to be robots. He, I mean, he gave us a brain. He doesn't want you to check your brain at the door. But he wants those things that we have to be submitted to him. And then we can live with joy and then we can live with peace. And then we can know that whatever I do, God's going to take care of me. That doesn't matter what the economy is. doesn't matter how my body is, what my body says. Whatever that is, I have to depend on what does God say. 
What does God say? Remember? You remember the, the song that we sing? Whose report are you going to believe? We shall believe the report of the Lord. I know people in this building right now that you've had bad reports before and you've had to choose. Am I going to believe that report or am I going to believe the report of the Lord? We re believe the report of the Lord. Just like what God did for you too, you know. What, what the report, if you believe what the report would be with what others would say or the world would say, then it didn't look so good. But you had a better report, didn't you? You had a better report because you submitted to God. You did things God's way. You turned your life around. You left that, that life and you went his way and you found peace and you found joy and you had the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord will always win. It will always win. It will win. Don't let the enemy tell you this isn't going to work. You're not ever going to be healed or you're not ever going to be out of debt or you're not ever going to have this or have that. Don't let the devil lie to you. You say, I believe the report of the Lord. The report of the Lord. He has only good things for me. If it's not good, it's not God. That's a good way to think about it, isn't it? Praise the Lord. Amen. The last scripture is John 10, 27. The way we get these things is that we use our faith. You have to, you have to live by faith. You can't be a lukewarm, you know, Sunday go to meeting. You're obviously not. You're here on a Wednesday night when the fair is going. So you're obviously not that. But, you know, there's so many people just think they're just doing God a favor to show up. You know, or the pastor a favor. I'm going to do you a favor. I'm going to come to church. Well, thank you. But do yourself a favor. Amen? But we got to get it into us that we're not trying to please man. We're trying to please God. Because the world wants us to be God, I mean, men pleasers or people pleasers, right? You got to make people happy. You just make God happy and he can take care of the other. Amen? John 10, 27 says, My sheep hear my voice and I know them and they follow me. So do we know the thoughts? Can we know the thoughts of God? His thoughts are higher. Well, thank God they're higher. His ways are higher. Thank God they're higher. You see how that, that just religion has turned that to be wrong? Oh, you can't know. But the Bible says we can know. If you know God, you know his character. Is God going to, you know, someone says, well, God just took that little boy. They, that he needed another angel in heaven. Number one, God is not killing children. We put people in jail who do that. So why would God do that? God's not killing children. Number two, you don't turn into an angel when you leave here. That's one of my pet peeves, sorry. You probably <laughs> caught on to that. A little flesh came out there. but <laughs> Angels want to be like us. It's a step down to be an angel. So please, if I go the way of the grave before you do, don't say I'm your guardian angel. Don't say, oh, God's got another angel. I, I am higher than angels, and so are you. But see, those are thoughts 
that the world has put in us, right? And so it's hard to, it's hard to trust a God that you think is going to kill you or kill your children. It's hard to give him your whole heart when you think you never know what God's going to do. Man, you never know. He could kill you in a second. You never know. You never know what God's going to do. Yes, we do. He wrote us a book to tell us what he would do. He wrote us a love letter to say how much he loved us. We can know. Amen. So tonight, I want you to just be assured that you can know his thoughts. What's Jeremiah 29, 11 says? I know my thoughts I have for you. Well, he knows it, but he put it in the book so we'd know it. What did he say his thoughts were? My thoughts are for good and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope or an expected end. Isn't that wonderful? God's got only good things. Amen. You can stand to your feet tonight. And let's just thank the Lord. And you know what? If you've been having trouble in your mind with thoughts that are just, I'm telling you, sometimes there is a battleground. In fact, uh, there's a great book written. It's called The Battle of the Mind. And uh, it's a good book. But you have to understand that if the devil can get your thoughts, he can get your stuff. So we don't let him have our mind. We don't let him have our thoughts. So if you're having trouble with that, you know, right now as we pray, I believe that God will just set you free from that. You can be delivered from that, that tormenting thing that torments your mind. And many times we find that in the dark, in the nighttime, that's when we get tormented because Satan works in the dark, but God's not afraid of the dark. Amen.